Chapter One of Vassar Studies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Vassar Studies by Julia Augusta Schwartz. Chapter One In Search of Experience when petted alice left home for college rejecting escort in token of welcome independence she started gaily off alone with her mind in a state of enthusiastic receptivity she had reached that point of life where the craving for novelty and variety suddenly leaps into prominence at this stage some young people plunge with a marvellous disregard for other interests into the pursuit of fun which is only another name for excitement Others, discovering ambition, fling themselves upon endeavor in a new-born struggle toward achievement. Still others fall to dreaming. Alice had fallen to dreaming. In spite of her seventeen years, she was a child in every respect, ignorant of the world, of human nature, of herself. Books she did know, as far as reading of them goes, and her head was stuffed full of disconnected bits of that cheaply gained variety of knowledge since the age of ten she had been wondering why she never saw any beautiful people like those described in stories and why nothing interesting ever happened to her at the prospect of college her dreams rapidly acquired vividness she was tired of existing in a placid village where the chief events were ordinary little human catastrophes of birth marriage and death varied only by the humdrum griefs and joys of average people Basing her expectations upon her desires, assisted by the glowing accounts of freshman friends at Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, she beheld, opening before her in the idea of college, a magnificent vista of limitless possibilities. Thus alertly ready to scrape up every tiny crumb of a sensation within reach, Alice set out on her way to a woman's college in search of experience. The first suggestion of adventure met her squarely on the threshold of the new life, after a long day's journey having been deposited by the train an hour late at a small station on the other side of the river from the college town she was told that the ferry had stopped running for the night the only feasible course for her and the two other passengers strangers to her was to engage a fisherman to row them across with a delightful feeling of mental exhilaration overcoming physical weariness alice stood on the dock in the inky isolation of the night watching the lights of the city opposite twinkle across the broadly flowing darkness of the river when she was in the boat rocking under long steady strokes with the water black beneath and around with the great piers of the bridge rising shadowy above her with the silent outlines of her companions barely visible she gave a joyful little wriggle in her seat this was an adventure an adventure at last although the fisherman did not turn out to be a cutthroat nor her fellow passengers disguised bandits nevertheless they might have been such unconventional members of society and alice fairly shivered with relief when she felt herself mounting the rickety wharf steps on the other side engaging a cabman who looked capable of being in league with highwaymen she contrived to become blissfully scared during the drive to the college while the cab rattled over cobblestones between lines of illuminated shops swung around corners and rolled along dark roads with here and there a glimmering window in the dusky bulk of a dwelling or a solitary gas-jet flaring lonely in a circle of shadows at last a gloomy hedge stretching endlessly came in sight beside a street sombre under trees behind the hedge rose against the sky outlines of evergreen softly pyramidal 
soon several houses clustered cosily with lighted windows drew her attention to calculations of size wondering if this was the college and hoping that it might prove to be larger with more possibilities then grating over car tracks her conveyance rumbled under an archway and behold at the end of an avenue bordered with mountain ranges of tall evergreens the mass of a great building spread out twinkling many eyes under the stars through the pleasant days that followed alice moved serenely open-eyed having thrust behind her the idea of monotony and fixed her mind in anticipation of variety some philosophers say that in the conduct of life attitude is all-important others assert that each man sees in this world that for which he is looking however that may be it is certain that the dreamy home alice had changed into a wide-awake college alice entering with untiring zest of enjoyment into every detail of the new mode of existence one october morning a classmate who roomed near her spied her standing at a window where her scarlet dressing-gown made a dash of color in the gray light of the long corridor at the touch of a hand on her shoulder alice turned a radiant face isn't it a splendid wind to bring the chestnuts down she exclaimed and the maple leaves are different every day the cosmos is all budded and i found fringed gentians last week and there is going to be a reception to-night and lake mohonk to-morrow isn't it mysterious to have an unknown friend always doing lovely things for the students this is the most exciting place think so little one the tone spoke of amused benevolence alice glanced up into the kindly eyes she liked this tall young woman who was so much older than the rest of the girls as well as so much more sensible and sympathetic some instinct told her vaguely of beauty of character springing from the depths of experience she had never heard of the childhood spent among mountain people of the invalid mother the shiftless father the struggle for education the surrender of hopes of college to help support the family of a rascally brother the hardly won freedom to study when youth had passed how old are you child almost eighteen i'm most a thousand so you find a great wear and tear of emotions in this place emotions oh no i haven't reached that yet but everything is so interesting the old girls say that every friday and saturday evening there will be a concert or a lecture or a play every sunday we have a different minister and breakfast is half an hour later than usual and we have plum bread and dinner at one instead of at six and other days the recitations are exciting when you don't know your lesson and are afraid the teacher will call upon you of course i love to watch the girls in chapel and it is such fun to rush up to the dining-room just when the maid is shutting the door for the silent grace and then you have to bow when you go in there is always something to think about what will you study now or where will you go for exercise or what will you wear to dinner or what they are going to have for luncheon and oh isn't it awful when the maids bring in those yellow pudding dishes at dessert instead of something good and the sophomores tell us that it is simply terrible the question whether you can get hold of the reference books in time they say that examination week gives you just one thrill after another and besides all that you know we always have the weather the other seemed to be smiling though her features remained in repose yes she said slowly as if to herself we always have the weather hereupon the gong began to whirr and alice jumped her eyes sparkled maybe i shall be late to breakfast isn't it exciting a day or so later the older girl found alice wringing out an assortment of dripping garments doesn't the laundry work suit you i fell into the lake said alice and then looked delighted to hear the exclamation of amazement 
Indeed I did, she explained. I slipped in stepping from the boat to the dock. I caught hold of the platform and hung on until I thought my arms were breaking. Did you ever feel that way? It is very interesting. I suppose people have a somewhat similar experience when they're strung up by their thumbs. How did you get out? I expected to drown, calmly. No one was in sight, and I began to think about the flood, and the tidal wave at Lisbon, and the Egyptians swallowed up in the Red Sea. I gained a great deal of sympathy with them. Mercy, child, how did you get out? Alice's face was solemn with enjoyment of this important adventure. All at once I remembered the little bugs and slimy things which the biology class keeps in the mud at the bottom, and so I just climbed out. It wasn't very deep. Her companion gave a sudden chuckle, and then grew serious. I am going to the doctor for medicine for you. Such a chill is dangerous. Thank you, responded the girl, adding in a wistful voice, I have never been ill, and I am wondering how it feels. The messenger stopped on her way out of the room. Want to try it? Alice hesitated a moment. Then, with a twinkle, perhaps another time will do as well. On the following Saturday, Alice played in the tennis tournament for the championship of the college. A blue sky shone pale above peaked evergreens. Groups of girls beside bicycles, on the grass or cuddling under golf capes on settees, watched the game with eyes and cheeks glowing from the snap of autumn in the air. Poised alert, Alice exerted herself to win, longing for the sensation of victory. Defeat coming instead, however, was welcome after the first blankness had softened. Failure was much more broadening to sympathies than success, and she had often pondered over Napoleon's emotions after the Battle of Waterloo. At the end of the first month of college life, certain small white notes unstamped appeared in the mail on the day after a written test. That night Alice's neighbor heard her sobbing when she should have been asleep. Surmising the cause from her knowledge of girl nature, she tapped on the door with the wish to comfort. After a silence, she was admitted, and found the child apparently absorbed in study by the drop-light with a green shade over her eyes. Any new experiences today, Alice? Lifting her head quickly. Why, I never thought of it in that way, but it is, isn't it? I reckon. Alice had pushed back the green shade. There was Nebuchadnezzar, she murmured reflectively. Her tall neighbor was watching her with the contented gaze of a physician whose treatment is working well. And there was Lucifer, too, after a period of meditation. From morn to noon, from noon to dewy eve, you remember. I never heard that exact account, cheerfully, but it does not matter. Well, it might have been somebody else. I get mixed up occasionally because I know so much. That was the trouble with my Latin. Morn to dewy eve. Oh, yes, and there was Eve herself and Adam, too. They all endured disgrace. Her eyes fell to the little white note at her elbow. I must get a tutor in Latin, she explained, adding with a sigh that still quivered from earlier sobs. Some varieties of experience are expensive. Perhaps the most important event of the winter was a discovery which Alice made while listening to a lecture on life in New York tenements. Deeply moved, for it is needless to say that Alice was an impressionable girl, and swayed out of herself as the recital gained in tragic emphasis, she was suddenly conscious of an actual physical pain at her heart. Diverted from grief, she hurried to report this latest gain in the acquisition of knowledge. I have learned the meaning of heartache, she announced somewhat breathless from her run down the corridor. Her friend had paused at the sound of the flying footsteps, looking into the glowing face. Have you, dear? With a new note of gentleness in her voice. Alice, walking beside her, broke into a little skip. 
it's an awfully interesting feeling it was a pang and then a contracted sensation quick and coming but it stays quite a while yes echoed her companion absently it stays quite a while the philosopher fell to pondering there was niobe a silence and there was rachel mourning for her children alice alice opened startled eyes i did not mean to be flippant she said i was thinking she spoke softly of the heartache the woman had turned sharply away i wonder thought the child if she ever had the heartache in a day or two alice had forgotten the reproof in a new emotion she came walking slowly into her neighbor's room in a drooping way that called forth an instant what's up now alice seemed to melt into a chair did you ever feel uncomfortable occasionally prickly all over as if you did not want to stay in one place she inquired rising to move uneasily from window to window go on i've just had an essay interview oh i see no you don't i beg your pardon but you don't the criticism was all right but the critic was telling how she is mistaken for a freshman every year and she said it seems very strange considering my gray hair i popped out why i should think so and then i remembered and exclaimed oh no i mean i shouldn't think so too bad that isn't all you know that girl who was here last week visiting her i was sure it was her sister and so i began to say a whole string of nice things about how much prettier her sister was in reality than in her photograph well it wasn't her sister gracious alice looked gratified your sympathy is soothing to me yes soothing is the word but i wish that you would say something to distract my mind i want to get away from my thoughts why with a quick brightening manner i am beginning to have sympathy with people who are tired of themselves or troubled by remorse field day in the spring found alice's name entered for the long dash the air was sunny and soft yet of a tonic freshness the evergreens sweeping in a generous curve around the gardens formed an effective background for the great grassy circle the spectators in bright shirt-waists and sailor hats gay with class colors were ranged along the rope which protected the race-course girls in dark blue gymnasium suits had been jumping and vaulting and throwing the basketball they were now resting on mattresses stretched under the elm tree in the centre of the lawn while attentive non-participants passed around dippers of oatmeal water alice and her two competitors were far away at the beginning of the course across the glass plat they poised for the start with heads low and hands touching the ground the starter beside them stood ready with her pistol aloft pointing skyward bang alice ran steadily holding in although one rival had passed her sprinting rapidly with elbows out and shoulders back faintly she heard cheering shouts and caught glimpses of waving banners and fluttering ribbons while through her head hummed persistently a line of yesterday's greek lesson and hector ran plying swift knees around troy ah the home stretch now for it faster and faster she plied swift knees the leaders sped on widening the space between alice bent every energy inexorably the distance grew broader alice was interested in the weakness of her knees her feet kept trotting along one and then the other and yet they did not go any faster the limp feeling was remarkably queer the leader was crossing the line panting slowly after her alice fell into somebody's arms you did splendidly she felt a sponge on her forehead and a lemon thrust to her lips oh she gasped i feel more sympathy with hector however strange it may appear in view of this rapid succession of experiences crowded into one short year alice felt that something was lacking in her college life 
as the summer vacation drew nearer this defect vaguely bothersome at first began to become a more and more clearly defined trouble how could she explain to the boys and girls at home the fascination of a woman's college how was she going to paint the picture with colors that would glow beneath the contemplation of the average mind it was possible that the intellectual events which had rendered vividly stimulative the daily routine of sleep eat study recite exercise might not work up effectively in spectacular description her various adventures so promising in the opening stages flattened out woefully in retrospect on her arrival at college she had crossed the river in a rowboat after dark she had fallen into the lake she had been defeated in the tennis tournament she had been informed that her knowledge in latin was deficient she had listened with pain to accounts of poverty in tenement districts she had committed conversational errors she had taken part in the great field-day races the list ended blankly she had not been robbed she had not been drowned she had not been driven to despair she had not been set adrift in disgrace she had not pined away of a broken heart she had not died of remorse she had not even sprained an ankle and here it was almost june and she would go home without a word to say when the boys told of deadly cane rushes defenceless hazings blood-curdling initiation ceremonies entertaining midnight sallies expulsions costly boat races and disastrous football games alice was rapidly becoming melancholy at this dark period she awoke one day to find a suspicion of dawn breaking over her great trouble it was the occasion of the annual event known as the senior howl every year the senior class is given a ten days vacation just before commencement after their final examination they are accustomed to celebrate the beginning of the recess by spending the afternoon on the river coming back after dark marching valiantly down the avenue to the main building struggling to shout and sing joyously while the underclassmen come running to the window to watch them later in the evening the class gathers for the howl a rollicking supper with good things to eat and toasts and speeches and songs and cheering ad infinitum though at times here and there one falls into a reverie with the corners of her mouth drooping and the voices are always somewhat husky perhaps from excessive indulgence in singing while on the river when this banquet is in progress it is a custom for the sophomores to assemble under the windows to serenade the feasters occasionally juniors and freshmen combine to create interruptions there is a legend that once upon a time a class of enterprising juniors tempted by echoing of hilarious revels from behind the closed firewall doors of the third-floor corridor propped ladders to a window and climbed up and in to be met by splashes of water and shrieks then ensued a general scramble resulting finally in an accident to someone falling on the stairs since that season the juniors had been taught by those in authority a certain lothness to attempt participation in the senior howl alice however who was only a freshman had never heard of any expressed prohibitions concerning the serenade her class moreover was of a peculiarly enterprising character prone to espouse reform or revolution as its later history proved it was a young class very young with youthful bearing and spirit on the evening of this particular howl the freshmen after watching the seniors come straggling back to college in the soft darkness began to gather in whispering knots here and there in corners of the library and recesses of the corridors waylaying groups of classmates on the walks leading from hall to hall hallooing gently over engaged signs and withal melting away mysteriously at the approach of any curious sophomore 
as for the sophomores they too held secret councils suspicious of these innocently inquisitive freshmen with their naive questions concerning the hour for the serenade the freshmen loved music and they hoped to be able to steal a few hours from books in order to enjoy the singing but the sophomores declined to tell their plans and the freshmen lingered ingenuously purposeless until the sophomore began to disappear from corridors and reading-room and library while sounds of cheering and clapping drifted down more distinctly from the senior precincts at nine o'clock from the outline of a crowd massed dimly on the lawn beneath the windows of the senior corridor rose voices clear and sweet as the music floated upward in the cool night air the noise of revelry above grew fainter until it had died away sashes were pushed up heads leaned out and faces gazed down half smiling in the darkness at the loyal loving words half saddened suddenly an awful clamor arose from around a corner of the building a clangor of pans pounded with iron spoons horns blowing bells ringing combs squeaking drums beating and girlish lungs sending forth shouting and squealing it was the freshman and the serenade was heard no more after a moment of dismayed deliberation the sophomores formed a line of battle and made a dash for the band of enemies who had halted in triumph a few rods away and then the conflict pans snatched from clinging hands bells grasped voiceless combs knocked to the ground while mouths tooted at horns dragged this way and that and amid breathless silences involuntary gasps of i beg pardon or did i hurt you and excuse me please fifteen minutes later alice burst in upon her neighbor who had been spending the eventful evening in quietly studying at her shabby desk glancing up at the flushed face and dilated eyes of her meteoric visitor she noticed the gown rent as if by brambles the scratched shoes and loosened hair hey little one take out the cork alice bubbled over it was a battle a real adventure the freshmen fled the boys shall not crow any longer over the spiciness of risks peppery that is what is here when the girls are roused talk of excitement talk yourself alice was slipped in slyly between breaths i fled pursued by avenging sophomores six of them maybe or maybe five did you ever hear of orestes chased by the furies that is the way i felt we had spoiled their serenade you know angry well there was the wrath of achilles and and this was the wrath of sophomores won't it be fun if they never forgive us one of them snatched the fudge-pan which you lent me i scudded across the lawn toward the chemical laboratory and plunged into the evergreen walk it was like dread escaping into the great dismal swamp they brandished things as they came tearing after me they could not have known that the cherivari was my idea but they might have forced some prisoner to confess i shot along the path by the brook behind the gas-house the trees were all ghosts and the ashes crunched and crackled i spied the enemy in the shadows i went scampering by the observatory out across the tennis courts and hid under an evergreen they hovered around frightened actually yes they were afraid of me dangerous when at bay naturally they were plotting macbeth's foes plotted you remember they said i did not hear distinctly but i have not a doubt that they intended to confine me in the catacombs under the main raleigh was shut up in the tower but i slid out of covert all the dry twigs rattled and snapped i sped away behind the hedge like the israelites fleeing to a city of refuge just inside the door bump there was prexy daniel in the lion's den daniel escaped you know and so did i i said good morning and he said nothing he looked sort of funny eyes twinkled i did not care now i have an adventure to describe oh but those sophomores were angry 
I shall tell the boys. Just here, two other freshmen hurrying past the open door stopped with a jerk at sight of Alice. Oh, Alice, we've had such a time chasing a sophomore. We could have caught her if we had not been afraid of what she might do. Oh, girls! And Alice broke into another round-eyed, gasping narration of her evening's adventures. As she proceeded, one of her listeners gave a little shriek and collapsed on the sofa. Yes, wasn't it awful? exclaimed the heroine, delighted at the effect. It isn't that. The other girl had sunk into a chair with her face in her hands. Oh, Alice, what is it? A miserable misgiving fluttered about her heart. The sophomore we were chasing. Yes, breathlessly. It was you. Oh, said Alice. They looked at each other. Perhaps we'd better keep it quiet. Perhaps we'd better, assented meek tones. There was Falstaff, muttered the kindly neighbor as she meditatively sharpened her pencil. But Alice was not listening. Her head was drooping when she said good-night. What are you going to tell the boys, Alice? What am I going to tell the boys? She repeated hopelessly with eyes on the floor. A pause and a deep-drawn sigh. Then the quick glimmer of a delightful idea. I shall tell them, the words came out with a vicious snap. Get thee to a nunnery! End of chapter 1